What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling With Issues podcast here, and welcome to episode 48 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me today on my birthday. Yes, even though it is my birthday today, I am still putting out this content for you guys because you guys deserve it, and we need to talk about the Royal Rumble. Before we get into that, so glad you're taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for having you guys here with me today for this episode of the podcast. I greatly and truly appreciate it. The Royal Rumble. The Royal fucking Rumble. Yes, this is the good and bad and the ugly. That is the Royal Rumble. And before I even get into anything, um, man, they really need to calm fuck down on some, on some shit because that whole entire show was entirely too fucking long. That literally was like, what, six and a half hours, something like that. And I saw a lot of tweets, uh, on my timeline, people were like retweeting shit saying, um, you know, people do have, you know, kids have school and people have to go to work on Monday and all that stuff. So that was like one of the big complaints from where Rumble, and it was just entirely too long. It, it was just dragged out so much. There, there was a couple times during the show where I almost fell asleep. Like I was literally starting to doze off and I, I was just like, God, I mean, I was like telling myself, thank God I'm on vacation right now. So I wouldn't have to, and I don't have to worry about having to wake up early to go to work or anything like that. So I was, I was, I'm thankful for that. But for some of y'all, I know that y'all had to go to work yesterday. Y'all had to go do that shit. And I'm sure a good amount of y'all were tired. So my sympathy does go out to y'all that had to endure that. But enough about talking about the bad shit. We'll get into that later. And trust me, I'm going off today. I know, yes, on my birthday, I should be very happy, joyful. And I am, I am very happy. I am joyful. I woke up which is always a good thing. Um, I felt good, ate a good breakfast, uh, watched a little bit of the Maury show, <laughs> and I decided, you know what, let's get this show on the road. We got to start recording anyway. We got things to do. So let's get this shit popping. The good that was the Royal Rumble. Let's talk about it. Um, I actually wrote notes. Um, they wrote a couple things. Like There's pretty much points that I saw throughout the show, and I'm going to start off with Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey. A lot of people, you know, did have a good amount of hype for this match. And I did too. I mean, like I said, I don't watch Raw. And if you follow me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter and you saw my tweets last night, you'll understand why I don't watch Raw. But the hype for this was pretty decent for this matchup. I knew these two could definitely bring out the best in each other. And Sasha Banks killed it. I saw a couple of tweets saying, you know, Ronda Rousey, you know, for, she had a good performance, but Sasha Banks outshined her. And I agree. Sasha Banks had a great performance, even though it was in a losing effort to Ronda Rousey. She put out probably one of the best performances in a long, long time. And it was good to see Sasha get that chance to face Ronda. It was definitely a match that I had wanted to see. When Ronda actually first came into the WWE, I was thinking already at the top of my head, excuse me, I was thinking already, of course, Ronda Charlotte, Ronda Becky, Ronda Bailey. Apparently that went down last night from what I heard was a good match. I haven't, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch after 
like the first hour and a half. So whatever happened after the second half of that show, I didn't care for. Um, and then, but Sasha was the one on that list where I was thinking they could probably crank out a solid match out of out of Sasha for Ronda. And I think Sasha could have taken her, would have been taking taking her to a good match. And what people are and people are actually saying that was the best match on the card. I'll get I'll get into what my match of the night was a little bit later on, but it was definitely a good match. These two really had good chemistry. I was surprised by the fact that um, you know she, Banks was cranking out some submissions. That one uh, the Fujiwara armbar she pulled out. She pulled out this one submission where she just had trapped her. I think it was her uh, Ronda's left arm and was literally pulling back on her right arm using joint manipulation. Something Pete Down probably would be supremely proud of. Probably, probably the smile that's the only smile he'll probably put out for the next three months. So there you go. It was it was a. I mean Sasha had put just cranked it out. She was do, doing her damnedest to get that victory. Her damnedest. And the one thing that surprised me about the ending of it was that she uh, Ronda won with the Piper's Pit, not the arm bar. So that, I was like, oh, that's different. You know, it took a Piper's Pit to take out Sasha. Okay. Uh, she did go for the arm bar a couple times. The crowd seemed like they were into it, especially because of Ronda Rousey. But it, overall, it, that was probably one of the best matches of the night. Something I enjoyed thoroughly. I like I said, pretty decent match. Definitely got over. Sasha had a hell of a performance. Asuka Becky Lynch, in my honest opinion, was the best way to open the Royal Rumble main card. I really do think so. Especially, you know, in this match, and this match too, I was hyped for this one because it was Asuka Becky for the first time. They never faced each other. I mean, yeah, they faced each other in, in a uh, triple threat TLC match. But they didn't get a chance to face each other one-on-one. And that was one of those, when Asuka came to SmackDown, I was thinking, oh, man. Yeah, Asuka Becky, that's what I want. I want to see that. And they did it. And I'm thankful that they did it. Asuka then, I mean, Asuka as a champion, you know, beating Becky was a very, was not a surprising win. I really, I had presented my predictions that Becky was going to win. And still find a way to get into the Royal Rumble and win the Royal Rumble and challenge Ronda in a unification. I'm not exactly, you know. But Becky losing, honestly, isn't a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing to see Becky lose. But it definitely helped Asuka. And, in, in, you know, for right now. Oh, coffee. But like I said, it was the best way to open up the show. I don't think any other match... Opening up the show would have made sense. Asuka Becky opening up the show pretty much foreshadowed the rest of the night. Because at that point, I'm thinking in my head, they're gonna they're gonna have her in the rumble. They're going to have Becky in the rumble by some way, shape, or form. And then I remember, and then I went back to the Rusev Shinsuke Nakamura pre-show match. And Lana got injured, hurting her ankle. And then and I remembered, wait, Lana's in the rumble. Oh. Becky's gonna be in the Rumble because I was thinking to my, I was thinking too old, I was thinking old school. I was thinking, man, they're not gonna have her in the Rumble. It's gonna be beat. Phoenix is gonna riot. All this shit. But then I remembered the that Lana was the loophole to get Becky into the Royal Rumble, and I appreciate that. 
I guess I, I guess Lana knew, you know, I, I wasn't going to win that Rumble anyway. So let's figure out the angle. Once you piece everything together, boom. There you go. Becky's in the Rumble. But the Asuka-Becky match, I enjoyed thoroughly. I really did enjoy this match. I loved it from beginning to end, regardless of Becky tapping out. And I'll explain that in the bad, why it's a bad thing. Just overall, I mean, they laid it all on the line just to become the SmackDown Live Women's Champion. Asuka, I think, had her best performance to date. I think Becky just put on another great match. Um, Like I said, ever since the summer, she's been absolutely just killing it. And it looks like now Asuka is on that Becky Lynch. I mean, not there yet, but she can be on that Becky Lynch level. She went up against the, you know, who who many people are considering right now the best thing about WWE, period, and beat her. And even the crowd popped to that, popped to that moment. The crowd was like, whoa, she actually beat Becky? I'm sure a lot of people will probably pick Becky to beat Asuka, but I, I did as well. But I'm kind of happy with the fact that, you know, it's like it was like the NXT TakeOver, you know. If Asuka won the match, I wasn't that mad. I wasn't mad at it at all. They cranked out a great match, and the ending was good. The ending, like I said, it threw me off. I mean, she having her tap, I'll explain it all in a little bit. But having Asuka beat Becky, I get that, you know, because of everything that happened after that. And what we saw last night on Monday Night Raw. I wish I had actually uh, went back on Twitter, and I found the video, and I watched it. And, yeah, Becky, Ronda is now a thing. They, it's official. As of right now, I'm not saying because they still got Charlotte to fucking figure out. So she may bitch or whatever. But I think if WWE holds strong and we get Becky and Ronda and then we get Asuka Charlotte three, I'm telling you guys, I've been saying it. I've been saying it for like, what, a month now, a month and a half. We may be getting that. We may be getting that story. I'm telling you guys, seriously, if we get those two matches, boom. You have your main event with Becky Ronda, and boom, you have a marquee matchup with Oscar Charlotte three. Just, just saying. You heard, you hear this, and if it happens, you heard this here first. I'm sure people are already thinking about it, but I'm thinking in my head: Oscar Charlotte three, Becky Ronda. Do not put Ronda, not not put Ronda. She's already there. Do not put Charlotte in that Becky Ronda. You need Becky Ronda separate away from Charlotte. You need to have Charlotte Oscar three. Because the last time I checked that match, I think that went to I think that went to a DQ, if I remember correctly. So technically, it's one, one. There you go. You need to have that third. You need to have that Oscar to Redemption story. I'm telling you guys, seriously. If you do not get, if we do not get Oscar Charlotte three, and we don't get Becky versus Ronda separately, it's gonna be problems. I understand they want to have Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda, but to be really truthful, Charlotte does not factor into what Becky and Ronda had to do. We had to wait. We've been waiting since Survivor Series to see this match. And to put Charlotte in there, it don't work. This is literally, if you, if WWE truly wants a women's main event, if they want that, and you know the hype surrounding Becky and Ronda has been going apeshit since, since Nia Jax fucked up Becky's nose. And we didn't get that match in Survivor Series. And you don't keep that separate, that's a problem. I'm, I mean, yeah, Charlotte, you know, has problems with Ronda. But didn't they settle that? 
I just I just have a strange feeling that they're gonna have, still have Charlotte involved because Becky was in the Rumble, she won, and she are and she wasn't involved in the Rumble. She's gonna bitch. What they what oh the author what the the authority need to do? Oh wait no that oh wait that's us. Oh I forgot. But well I'm going to tell you as the as the so called authority keep Charlotte away from Becky and Ronda. You don't need it. Becky and Ronda alone creates hype, and the hype that we're gonna get for the next couple months is fucking worth it. You want that WrestleMania main event with the women, the first time ever, you leave Becky and Ronda separate, you get Asuka and Charlotte separate. Becky and Ronda is your main event for WrestleMania 35 in New York, technically New Jersey, and then you have Asuka Charlotte for the women's championship. What kind of two mark when was the last time you saw two marquee matchups in the women's division? True marquee matchups in the women's division at a WrestleMania. Take all the time you need. I'm just saying. Getting into my next uh, good. The Cruiserweight Championship match woke the crowd up before the main card started. And that match was fucking awesome. Because I'm not going to get into the bad of it. Because there is bad involved with the Cruiserweight division with that. But seriously, that... The cruiserweights are showing everybody what they can fucking do. It was better than Rusev Nakamura. It was way better than that fucking, you know, revival of pain versus the... I can't even fucking remember that. Bobby Roode and fucking Chad Gable. Oh, my God. That's how, that's how much the Raw Tag Team division sucks ass. Like, I'm half-face-palming trying to talk to you about this. And, I'm gonna, and, that, and that's going to... Yep, you know what? Yeah, let me write that down right now. Write that down. I'm doing this as I'm recording right now because that is the that is one hell of an ugly. I only had one ugly for this. I'm writing that down. Don't worry. This I know this is bad podcasting, but whatever. Because I don't want to forget. Because because ranting is coming. Gonna put that there. Okay, done. All right. So back to the cruiserweight championship match. That fucking match was great. It was great. It took a little bit of time to actually. Have them, you know, get the crowd started getting into it. And, but by the second half of that match, they fucking killed it. Hideo Itami killed it. Kalisto did his job. Akira Tozawa did his job. Buddy Murphy retained like a motherfucker. Showing his dominance over the Cruiserweight division. But they should, as I always, as my, my favorite five words, they showed up and showed out. Sunday night. They really did. And I'm in, I've, been, I've been always proud of the Cruiserweights ever since the Cruiserweight Classic happened. I've been proud of ever since 205 Live, even though, even though the decision to make put them back on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. made no fucking sense. But honestly, the Cruiserweight division has talent. They have stars. Mustafa Ali is already on SmackDown Live. I'm expecting Cedric Alexander to go on Raw, hopefully. I'm expecting that. I'm expecting Cedric Alexander to go on Raw. Bold prediction for 2019. I'm expecting Cedric Alexander to go on Monday Night Raw. Because he is worth it. He is worth being a mid-card guy, an upper mid-card guy at that, fighting for the Intercontinental Championship. You want to build the Intercontinental Championship up? You want to build that mid-card up? Put Cedric Alexander in there and thank me fucking later. They really had a great, a really what I thought was a great match. It was a solid match. So, I mean, you got your high-flying moves, strong style, Buddy Murphy kicking ass, just all, just... How WWE doesn't seem to get the fact that the Cruiserweights can get over if they actually put them in front of a, like that big crowd and let the crowd, you know, let the crowd enjoy 
the talents of the cruiserweight division, the guys that are 205 and under. You want to get the cruiserweight division over, put them on the main card. I'm going to leave it at that because that's that's bad. That's, that's one of the bad ones I have for that. Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor did what it needed to do. Yes, we didn't get the demon paint, and that's fine. I, I mean, I got past that once they announced. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But it did what it needed to do. Brock Lesnar retaining the championship, like I predicted. But Finn Balor looked strong in defeat. Sure, he tapped out to the Kimura, but like I said on Twitter, he just got caught. He had the coup de, to coup de gras, got the pin. Lesnar somehow slipped out, got him in the Kimura. Finn had nowhere to go because that boy is massive. He taps out. Nothing to sneeze at. To be truthfully honest, there ain't nothing to sneeze at. Balor took everything that Lesnar threw at him. Suplex after suplex. And then, you know, they, then they literally got into a fight. Balor was going after him. And it, like, like I said, he likes working with the smaller guys. He's been wanting this match. He wanted this match last year. And then, it, and then it got 86 by Vince McMahon. He was supposed to have this. He wanted this match last year. He works better with smaller guys. So when you see, so when I find, so when you finally get the one match we've all been waiting, wanting to see for WrestleMania, Rollins versus Lesnar, Lesnar's going to have a fucking ball with Rollins. He and Rollins are going to put on something spectacular. And I think the story, and I think the story between Rollins and Lesnar on their lead up to WrestleMania will be a lot better than people think if WWE can do it right. This is a marquee matchup that Rollins has wanted for a long time. He said it in interviews. He said it in promos. And I think it's something Lesnar has wanted to see, wanted to have. This is one of those matchups I think Lesnar will and should get up for. Rollins is a smaller guy. He can do a lot in the ring. Lesnar can definitely be that beast. Beating the shit out of Rollins as he did last night with four fucking F5s. That was cool. I, yeah. And then the last one is landing on having him land his stomach on the Universal Championship. That was cool. But I think... You gotta have Lesnar. I don't mind the David versus Goliath deal. I don't mind it because Lesnar gets up for it. And I know, and Lesnar put on a really solid match, and Finn Balor did as well. Like I said, he just got caught. That's all it was. There's no, it ain't nothing to sneeze at. He got a, a we finally got the Universal Championship rematch he so deserved upon his return to the WWE. He finally got that. Unfortunately, he got beat. He got caught. But it, it was a lot better than I expected. Because sometimes you have that thought of they may do what I think they're going to do in terms of just having Lesnar destroy Balor. But then if you do that, you pretty much bury Balor. You pretty much show the world that we don't believe in Balor. Balor is not... We don't believe in Balor that much. If that's where you want to go with that. But they made Balor look strong. They made him look strong in defeat. And I can appreciate that. And now knowing that him and Lashley apparently now have problems, I'm expecting Balor and Lashley to face each other for the IC Championship at WrestleMania. And if you don't give Balor the IC title and treat it like the fucking prestigious championship it needs to be with the title around Balor's waist, then I don't know what to fucking tell you. I love the Intercontinental Championship. It's one of my favorite titles of across all titles, period. The history of it goes back decades, decades. 
And they need to take care of that belt properly. It is the workman's belt. The workhorse belt. Guys that, remember, back in the day, in the Attitude Era, and even before that, the Intercontinental Championship was pretty much put on a guy they believed was going to be next in line, somewhere down the line, for the WWE Championship. Michaels, Razor Ramon, Bret Hart, Triple H. You know, guys they felt were going to be the next guy in WWE. The next top guy. That's what it used to be. What it is now is just a belt. It's just there. It's a white belt on top of that. Can't even be black. I'm kidding. I'm not trying to do <laughs> I'm not trying to do any racist shit. I'm saying I like the black strap better than the white strap. That's just me though. I just prefer that. Um because the look of it, honestly, in my opinion, would be much better with the black strap than it would with the white. But that's we're being nitpicky and we ain't got time for that. Having and just to conclude on on the Intercontinental Championship shit, yeah. Lashley, charisma vacuum like a motherfucker. Balor should, if this is the your WrestleMania feud, Balor should beat Lashley. And we should get a match between Balor and Leo Rush because I think that would actually be a fun time. I think that would actually be a fun match to watch. Especially for a guy like Leo Rush who's in his young, who's in his young career going up against a guy like Balor. I think that would be a dope match. I think those two can crank out a good solid match with each other. I think they could put out a, have a little bit of chemistry. I'm just saying. Getting into the Rumbles real quick. As predictable as Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch winning were, it made the most sense to have Rollins and Lynch, which I call, by the way, if you didn't, if you haven't heard uh, that episode yet, episode 46 of the Young Lions Perspective, go back and check that out. I said Rollins and Lynch would do it, would pull it off. That's two years in a row, because I said last year, and I didn't have this podcast, but I did state Asuka and Nakamura would win the Rumbles. I had said that. And while the one kid, I, this one guy I work with, is just like, no, Nakamura's not going to win. Nakamura's not winning the Rumble. Guys. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, just follow the signs. Just follow it. Nakamura's the guy they're going to put up next. Asuka, that was the easiest call in the world. Asuka was an easy call. Nakamura was an easy call if you follow it step by step. And I think I saw this on Twitter. The two most over people in the company right now, hands down, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch may have more popularity because her shit was man organic. But Seth Rollins was always a guy throughout the entire entirety of 2018 where he had a solid year. He won the Intercontinental Championship WrestleMania, had a hell of a summer going into SummerSlam. I honestly thought Rollins and Lesnar was going to be the next big feud, and I thought they were going to have that feud there. No, they had Roman do it. Then he then Rollins became a, a literal shield for Roman. Roman then has leukemia, for leukemia, and then he put him in the uh, feud with Ambrose. That was all right, I guess, and yeah, yeah. Then they turned Ambrose into Bane 2.0, and now you wonder why there are reports out there that says Ambrose uh, is not re-signing with the WWE and is leaving after WrestleMania. So yeah, there's your there's your little bit of news for the day. There you go. Yeah, and it's legitimate. I've read it across a couple of reports. Dean Ambrose, if you haven't, if you just if you're just waking up. And you haven't read shit yet. Dean Ambrose intends not to resign with the WWE and will leave WWE after WrestleMania. That's just reports going out right now. But like I said, if that is, and I said it on Twitter, if this story is legitimate, WWE is going to be losing a top star 
and John Moxley will be welcome in AEW. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. And I'm not mad at him one fucking bit. Because look at what they did with that storyline with Rollins. They could have, I literally had said to uh, my boy, Mad Titan, uh, on Twitter. You had a long-term goldmine of a feud between Ambrose and Rollins over the Intercontinental Championship. It started off well with the with SummerSlam. Rollins winning the championship. Ambrose being the uh, being the one to help him out, uh, thwarting um, McIntyre and uh, Dolph Ziggler, helping Rollins uh, win the championship. The whole Shield shit was whatever, blah blah blah. The and then on the same night, Roman Reigns announced that he had leukemia. Ambrose turns on Rollins. You could have turned this into a supremely dope ass blood feud between. Ambrose and Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. And even if it was going to end at the Royal Rumble, even if it did end with Ambrose beating Rollins at the Royal Rumble for the championship, you still could have had Rollins win the Royal Rumble that night. But you could have made that a gold mine of a feud. Something you can end 2018 with, going into 2019 with, and then have Rollins finally go after Lesnar. I may not have beaten Ambrose, but I, but I am going to WrestleMania, and I'm going to take back I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna go, go to higher. I'm on higher heights now. I won the rumble. I now want to block Lesnar. Block Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Jesus Christ! I can't talk. Need more coffee. Hold on. <laughs> all in all, Rollins and Becky Lynch winning the rumbles made the most sense. So what if it was predictable? I saw a lot. I saw some shit. I was like thinking people were saying Mandy Rose was gonna win it. People were saying Dolph Ziggler was gonna win it. Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, and that was a legitimate. But though, but I think at that very moment, WWE knew who their big name was, who was gonna be the guy to get there. And Vince McMahon is getting what he wants, but it makes sense. And which I, to which I agree with. I believe I said it on episode forty six. Rollins Lesnar makes the most sense. Rollins has wanted Lesnar. I think W. Vince knew Rollins Lesnar may makes more sense than Drew and Braun. Because God forbid, I would, I would like where they are right now. I wouldn't want to see that match. And on top of that, they had that match on Raw last night, to which I didn't watch, nor did I care. So that shows you right then. That shows you right there. Drew and Braun, not gonna happen. Thank Christ. The end, seeing the NXT talent in the Royal Rumble was a hella good point here. Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano, Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, um, Zaya Lee, I believe, was in there. I love seeing the NXT talent. Aleister Black, actually, I remember, yeah, he showed up. It was all, yeah, didn't stay there for as long as I thought he would, but I'm glad he did show up. I was proud of the NXT talent on Sunday. We got to, What I love about the Royal Rumble the most is just the matchups you see. Pete, Pete Dunne and Andrade, Johnny Gargano and Andrade, um, seeing Candice LeRae and Selena Vega against each other again, now that Vega's on the main roster and LeRae's still in NXT. I saw uh, Lacey Evans and Charlotte, and that, that, I think, and I saw that, and I'm thinking, 2019? If Evans decided, if they put, decided to put Evans on SmackDown, I think WWE, I think Vince McMahon saw that and was thinking, man, Lacey Evans versus Charlotte might be something, I, might be something of interest. And I think Lacey Evans versus Charlotte is something of interest. For sure. I, I, I loved when they had that standoff with each other before Maria Canellas fucked it all up. I love seeing that matchup. And I think that's something they should visit in 2019. That's just that's just me. Uh, 
Getting back into it though, seeing the NXT talent put on solid performances, even if they weren't there long, it's just it's just that's why I love the Royal Rumble so much because you think NXT talent who's going to be in there, who could be in there, but that the lad uh, when I get into the bad, I'll explain why they should have had a couple more people in that. Just seeing you know Pete Dunne in that ring killing it, seeing Rhea Ripley destroy people in that ring. I was, I think I marked out for that the most was seeing Ripley in there and her getting her chance to shine. That was fucking awesome. Gargano, I think that was to be expected. The Ray was a surprise. Zia Lee, I think was the biggest surprise out of all of them. Um, when I first saw Zaya, and I love me some Zaya, Zaya, that Karen Q Zaya Lee match, I still had that in the back of my mind because they went full on attack mode on each other. And it was really cool to see that, you know, that bowing to each other and then pacing around and then martial arts stands and they know they about to go at it. It felt like a like a like an 80s karate flick. That's what it honestly felt like. And they threw down in that matchup. It wasn't the best matchup in the world, but they fucking threw down. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching that match. And if you want to me hear me talk about that match, I do have those episodes in on my page. Check those out. I I I'm telling you, I talk, I hyped the fuck out of that match with Zia Lee and Karen Q. She was my biggest surprise, and she had a, and she put out a, a decent showing. She really did. I was very happy that she was in there. Like I said, I marked out for that. I was like, holy sh-. I was like, wait, Zia Lee? So I, I was pretty dope. I was pretty, like, really hyped about that. Kyrie Sane, seeing her in the Rumble, I was hyping about, hyped up for that. It's just seeing that NXT talent, that extra layer to that was great. Fantastic. Mwah. And, and what I did, and I, you know what? Also dovetailing on that and adding on a little bit to it. No part-timers in this Rumble. I was perfectly fine with that. Wait, no, Jeff Jarrett was in the fucking Rumble. Fuck that. Yeah, fuck yeah. But yeah, hardly any part-timers in that Rumble besides Jeff Jarrett. I think that was the only one I saw. And Maria Canellis, I guess. I consider her a part-timer. Not a legend, but... Other than that, rarity... Okay, rarity... Okay, no, the scarcity of part-timers and legends in the Royal Rumble. Well done, WWE. You have to bring out your future. You know, show the put them to the forefront. You don't need part-timers and legends in this. Oh wait, fuck, Kurt Angle was in that bitch too. The men's rumble. That was that was odd. I really didn't appreciate that. Didn't like that at all. But whatever. The last point of the good side. Of WWE's Royal Rumble. Nia Jax got RKO'd, baby. <laughs> I enjoyed that shit. I was shocked that R-Truth came out. Nia Jax then attacked R-Truth. And then... Oh, it's a guess of this copy I enjoy this shit. Haze on that, man. Fan-fucking-tastic. Seeing Nia Jax in that match, I was okay with it. I was weirded out, but I was just like, okay, this is going to be weird. But seeing her in that match, I was okay with it. I was fine with it, um, especially after what happened to her. Getting super kicked. Rey Mysterio hit the 619 on her. And then, of course, the beautiful sweetness that is the RKO. And she's and I'm not going to lie. This is a, and this is a good too. Nia Jax sold that RKO very well. She sold it very well. And, I, and I'm appreciative of that. Because the RKO is nothing to be fucked with. Some people, I think Rusev comes to mind when it comes to like how not to sell an RKO. He, 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 eh. I mean, if I scale it on one to 10, it was about a five and a half selling out of 10. But Nia Jax did sell that RKO very well. 
Now, what they're going to do with her going forward, are gonna, are, now everybody's been talking about intergender matches, all this shit, and I'm in favor of intergender matches because there's so because the first woman that comes to my mind always and forever will be Candice LeRae when she was teaming with Joey Ryan as, uh, I think, the world's cutest tag team against the Young Bucks for the PWG Tag Team Championships. Her taking that thumbtack superkick spot and having her bleed during that match was amazing. Mia Yim has been involved with um, Matt Riddle. I've seen plenty of videos on that. Her and Keith Lee, I believe, went at it as well. I'm trying to think of who else. I'm trying to think of Tessa Blanchard. I think I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she went up against Brian Cage uh, at Wrestle Circus, and that was for the, if I remember correctly, the that was for the side the Wrestle Circus Side Show Championship, which was like one of the, which was like their mid card title, and the Wrestle uh, Wrestle Circus uh, Heavyweight Championship. I can't remember what exactly they call it, but it's a really dope name for it. No, Ringmaster, if I'm remember, Ringmaster Champion. That's their top belt. And they put on what I thought was a killer match against each other. Blanchard did all she could in that match against Brian Cage, and they really went, they went balls to the wall. They held nothing back on each other, and I could, if you do it, if you present it like that, if you present it in a fashion where fans can get truly invested in the product or in just in the matchup alone, it could be a good match. And you make it believable. I don't think WWE can make it believable. Yet. If Nia Jax is going to be the one to actually, I guess, be put forward because she has that, she's a bigger woman. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying. I don't, you know, y'all know I don't keep it politically correct on this show. I say what else, what's on my mind, but in certain cases, if I trick, I guess, and I, if I trigger somebody nine times out of ten, I really don't give a shit. I'm trying to keep it as civil as I'm trying to keep it civil, not PC. I'm trying to keep it civil because civility is is one thing. Being PC, we're not gonna talk about that. This ain't that kind of show. But they put Nia Jax to the forefront, and they present present her in a way where it actually makes sense with the person they're going to go up against and they make it worth it and they make it like a, a special thing, then yeah, it could work. I honestly believe it could work. Who honestly knows? But not, but if you and if you follow me on Instagram at young underscore lines underscore perspective, I actually posted a picture of Nia Jax getting RKO. And I even said, I'm not, I'm not even mad about it. I'm not even mad about the move. Not even a little bit. I'm perfectly fine with it. I marked the fuck out when I saw that shit. Mm, excuse me. As soon as I saw Mysterio hit the 619, I saw R- uh, Randy posted up, posing for that RKO move, I was like, yeah, get that ass. Get that ass. And, if I may, Lou DiBella. <laughs> oh, Lou DiBella. Bitching on Twitter. If you don't, if you don't, didn't see that tweet, uh, search for Lou DiBella. He's a boxing promoter, for those that don't know. Uh, he went ballistic, talking about, you know, this shouldn't have been happening. Why are they doing this? Why are they having a woman do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, and dude got laid in. He got blasted. He got blasted on Twitter for that. Big time. I even, I didn't go off on him, but even I blasted him on Twitter for that. And my, uh, my buddy Russell, he, he actually tagged me in the tweet. And I saw that. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? We're going to bitch. Intergender tagged, intergender matches have happened so many times. I saw Lufisto, uh, Lufisto. She's actually, uh, a, a really good uh, wrestler uh, does uh, most of the shine and shimmer promotions, and she even said, you know, 
I'm just paraphrasing here, like intergender, intergender wrestling has been going on for years. Years. Where have you guys been? Catch up. Seriously, like I said, if you can present it in a way that actually works and makes sense and gets the people invested, then yeah, do it. In a drop of a hat, with a snap of a finger, do it. If you don't present it properly, don't even bother, bro. We can say that for another day. And that was what I thought was good about the Royal Rumble. Stick around. We're going to listen to our sponsor. And then we're going to get into the bad. That was the Royal Rumble. Now we get into the fun shit. Welcome to the bad. That was the Royal Rumble. And I told you guys in episode 47 yesterday that I was literally going to go off. I'm not lying. Y'all know if you've if you've been a day one, y'all know I can go off, especially if it's something I actually care about. Where to start? Where to start? Where to start? Where to start? I got it. Let's start with Becky Lynch tapping out to Asuka. But you praised the match. You said it was good. It was a great. It was one of the best ways to open up the show. And to that, I would be saying, congratulations, you are correct. But that doesn't mean I didn't like the decision. Becky Lynch, like I said, is one of if one of one of if not the most over talents in the company right now. Take a sip of coffee before I start wilding off. Like I said, Becky Lynch is one of if not the most over talents in the company. You can honestly make a case for her being the actual face of WWE right now. Why didn't you just have her pass out? Because if you really think about it, the story they could have told is that, you know, oh, she never tapped out. She never tapped Asuka. She just got caught and put her and Asuka put her to sleep. I think honestly that's a better way of doing it than having Becky tap. I mean, that's just, like I said, this is just my opinion. This is how I feel about it. This is what I believe. If you wanted to still have Becky Lynch looking strong and you knew she was going to go into the Rumble, homegirl just took a nap. No harm in having Becky not tap out. I can see why. They had Becky tap out because they wanted Asuka to get a strong victory over uh, Becky. You still could have done that. You still could have done that same thing, putting her to sleep, then having her tap. It's just, it's just giving. It's just that giving up mentality. It's just that me thinking like she actually gave up to the Asuka lot instead of trying to fight out and be a fighter, being that fighter that we all know Becky Lynch is. And instead, they had they had her booked to tap out. Hmm. I, I mean, it was just something that really like got to me a little bit. I was like, they, like I, I really thought I was okay with that. And I'm thinking, that's bad, though. I mean, yes, Becky still won the Rumble. That's good. Made sense. You, got, you made the right move. But having Asuka win made sense. I was fine with it. But having Becky tap out, just a little thorn in my side. Just going to put that out there. Just a little bit of a thorn in my side. I just want to get that out of the way. That, to me, that was bad. 
we're building this up. Let's talk about the Rumble matches real quick. Because both of those fucking matches were boring as shit. Until the last 8 to 10 minutes of each matchup. What in the absolute fuck was that? Seriously. What in the absolute fuck was that? Both matches are going to go an hour. Correct? We know this. But like for the first like 50 fucking 2 to 55 minutes, I damn near fell asleep both matches. I guarantee you. Sitting on the couch, watching it, literally on my phone, because I know I have to keep, I'm trying to keep up with eliminations and, and who's coming in as fast as possible, trying to keep it up with you guys, just in case you didn't see the Rumble or wanted to know what was going on with the Rumble. That's why I live tweeted it. But both of those matches almost put me to sleep. It's one thing, I think, I'm trying to remember if it was WrestleMania last year. I literally took an hour and a half nap. Not even going to lie. I took an hour and a half nap. Uh, and when I woke up, I think it was like Charlotte Bailey or some shit. I don't think it was WrestleMania. It was a pay-per-view. I woke up and they were Charlotte and Bailey and I was just like, oh, something happened. Don't care. Because I didn't give a shit. With the Rumble, you got to keep fans excited. Because they're going to be there for it. They're going to be there for a six-hour show. We know this. But at least for two of those six, keep a motherfucker invested. Sure, you had some... Oh, and just put it out there. I told y'all, Kenny Omega wasn't going to be there. What'd I tell y'all? Contract was up at January 31st. Y'all can shut up now. Shut up. Now, at this point, y'all can start speculating about WWE, AEW shit. Let that go. It's over with. It happened. He ain't show up like I told y'all. That's just for those of y'all who thought Kenny Omega was going to be in the rubble. The rest of y'all, y'all cool. Just to get that out of the fucking way. But how... I mean, the only exciting part was literally the last seven, five to eight minutes of the ma- of each matchup. Of each matchup, everybody started started you know peeking their heads up like, oh wait, shit's about to get real. How you could not honestly keep a crowd invested and just bringing out you know Kurt Hawkins and uh, Dana Brooke and fucking. Alicia Fox and Maria Kanellis. And if you are, you are, we already found out she's not, she's getting, you know, her and Mike aren't getting released from WWE. And just all this shit. And just people I don't give a shit about. I just, especially the Women's Rumble, I didn't care Dana Brooke was in that matchup. I was literally like, Dana, like, who? Oh, she showed up? Oh, I don't care. Alicia Fox is there? Why? Think of, like, almost every person, you know, and Peyton and Royce and Billy Kay, they got treated like shit. Hell, Casey Cananzaro got more shine in that match than Peyton Royce and Billy Kay did. You gotta, you gotta think of it like this. In terms of who gets eliminated and when, kind of gives you an idea of how much WWE is investing in them. Think about it. Think about Go back to those Royal Rumble matches and look at the guys who they actually are investing in, guys and girls they're going to invest in, and those that don't. Who's the, and those who they don't invest in that much right now. Pay for his Billy Kay? Gone. Liv Morgan was there literally for three seconds. I think she got picked up 
and thrown outside out through the ring. Was that or a back body drop? So fuck all that. But how? Like seriously, how? Because God forbid, you know, I fall fucking asleep during a Royal Rumble match, and then more than likely, some, and more more importantly, for the rest of the card. Literally, I I um, I could I just couldn't I just try, I tried I, I had to literally just when I had my phone down and I was just I just I was like all right let me just take ten minutes let me just try to watch this I literally almost fell asleep so many times I I just couldn't I just couldn't do it they, they, next year make it a bit more exciting keep a motherfucker invested or you're just gonna have the same result as last year because that that did not help the process of dragging out. That helped that process of this, man, that, that show really dragged, man. That show dragged so fucking much. That And that, in and of itself, ca- helped um, cause that. Those dragged out moments. those that Just that boring portion. I was just bored. And I'm, gonna, I'm, but I'm just going to start, you know, being repetitive. So I'm just going to go into the next uh, bad point here. Like I said, we're building it up. Shinsuke Nakamura regaining the United States Championship. Fucking why? The United States Championship, in my mind, has been deemed irrelevant. And I think I said it on episode 46 in my Royal Rumble predictions. The United States Championship is irrelevant. Shinsuke Nakamura, they've made irrelevant. And Rusev, Shinsuke Nakamura match for the United States Championship, in my mind, was irrelevant. The storyline was garbage. All based off of, you know, Nakamura, somehow Rusev said Nakamura injured Lana. He's saying Lana should mind her business, all this shit. They have the match, and it was garbage. It was complete garbage. Even my dog's looking at me right now, looking at me with that stone face, like, because she knows. Like, she literally just woke up when I started talking about Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. She knows that match was terrible, too. Why they had Nakamura regain the title made no sense. Who are they going to have Nakamura face at WrestleMania for this belt? Since we know Rusev can't have, her, uh, can't have his obligatory rematch. Because now, because rematches are now deemed dead. Who? Andrade? Maybe. Ty Dillinger? Nah. I haven't seen him in months. Would we get to see him back, though? Mysterio? Probably not. They've already had a matchup for the title. At least if you had Rusev retain, which would have actually made fucking sense... The litany of matchups would make more sense. Rusev versus Andrade. Rusev versus Hardy. If they want to go that route. Rusev. I'm trying to think. Shelton Benjamin. Just you can think of some names. You know, Rusev Mysterio. Something. Just when you have an irrelevant title with irrelevant guys. I mean, yeah, Rusev's still kind of over. They still chant the Rusev Day, John. And that's cool. 
But that title is so irrelevant that honestly, when was the last time you cared about a United States championship match? Tell the truth for yourself. When was the last time you actually cared about the United States championship and who was facing each other for the United States championship? I can't think of one off the top of my head because I haven't had enough coffee in my system yet to actually think. But really think about that for a minute. Who was, the, who was the last true United States champion that you believed in? Whose matchups you enjoyed and the opponents that he had in terms of the field? Gonna take you a minute to figure out, I promise you. Because the last three United States champions, literally, Nakamura, Rusev, Jeff Hardy. Just having Nakamura regain the championship made no sense at all. No fucking sense. I was, I was just, and, and, and that was just the pre-show. Just the fucking pre-show. Honestly. You could have done a lot better with that feud if you're going to go Nakamura Rusev. And having Rusev become United States champion and then literally not eat literally a, like a month and two days a month and three days because he went on. Uh, no, he actually went on Christmas. So a month and two days after, he wins the championship. Nakamura wins it back. Why? What matchup are you going to have, Andrade? I hope so, and have Andrade win at WrestleMania. I personally would have ha- would love seeing Andrade Mysterio. That's still a matchup we need to we need to have done because they because the two out of three falls match Samoa Joe got involved. So you know that is not over yet. So maybe they have Andrade beat Nakamura somewhere down the line. Maybe at Elimination Chamber. I don't know. Maybe at Fastlane. I don't know. But somewhere between now and WrestleMania, Andrade needs to get that championship because they get the, they need to get that title off of Nakamura. And still, I'm still going to say, if I'm Nakamura, I want out of WWE. You didn't let me. They, they booked you to book him to lose to gender, lose to AJ, turn heel play nutsack all fucking for pretty much the majority of the spring and part of the summer win the United States championship in seven seconds not defend it hardly I don't think he did it at uh, SummerSlam if I remember correctly lose said title to Rusev on Christmas to what ratings were shit and then win back the lose the title and then win back the championship a month and two days later for a title that no one gives a fuck about. Fucking blasphemy. Nakamura deserves so much better than what than where he's at right now. Seriously. You know that, and I know that. You know that, and you know your friends know that. If you listen to this podcast, you know as well as I do, Nakamura deserves so much better than what he's getting right now. He deserved a championship run. He honestly did. When he won the Royal Rumble last year, my 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 first immediate thought, they're giving Nakamura the championship. Nakamura can beat Nakamura's gonna beat AJ Styles for the championship, and Nakamura and we're gonna get that we're gonna finally get a Japanese world champion, a dope run, another rematch with AJ. And they dropped the fucking ball. Now look where Shinsuke Nakamura is at. Obscurity. 
a championship that literally has less value than the sweatpants that I'm wearing right now. They are quite comfy, though. I'm not going to front. Got them for cheap. If you, if you know Boss Cops, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Look at me giving out my trade secrets. But seriously, Nakamura deserves so much better than this. And I know he doesn't want to uproot his family again. I know he when he came into NXT, he uprooted everything. He left everything he knew from New Japan. Came over to the States to work with NXT and now WWE. But seriously, that's how you do it, your top talent? After everything they did with Nakamura and NXT, this is how you do Nakamura. Start off against Ziggler. The feud. Won that, won that feud. That was pretty easy. And then after that, I mean, yeah. You know, we thought he was going to beat Mahal. Didn't beat Mahal. And that, that still, I think, is... Because seriously, if you think about it. You could have had Nakamura beat Mahal. All the way to WrestleMania. A solid title reign. From Hell in a Cell to WrestleMania. Have AJ beat Nakamura for the championship. And Nakamura can still turn heel. Tell me I'm wrong. Point out the lie. You could have easily had Nakamura still turn heel. With AJ Styles at the babyface. Boom. But but I'm, I'm. Yeah. Like I said. We're building up here. We are building up. Second to last bad point. Why? And this is really going to piss me off. Why did you put AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan in the death spot for the WWE Championship? And I even wrote this on my paper. Putting Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles in the death spot was an absolutely shitty booking decision. And it's true. I get it. No, I actually don't get it. Fuck it. You could have easily put the the Miz and Shane McMahon versus the bar in the death spot. You easily could have. What other match besides that was going to be in that death spot? Besides Styles versus Bryan. I'm not lying here. That was a very, very, very questionable call by WWE. Putting Styles and Bryan in the death spot. I get it. It was the second half of the card. You know, it's a marquee matchup. But my God, that crowd died during that Styles versus Bryan match. My God. You still could have, like, if, if, I mean, the, the flow of the show was okay. I mean, the second half of the show was good. I mean, flow-wise, it made sense. You only had, I think, about three matches to worry about, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, do, yeah, putting Styles and Bryan in that death spot was dis- oh, was was a very bad call. Such a fucking bad call. And it showed. Because that crowd was silent literally for three quarters of that matchup. Real shit. I was disgusted. Like, I'm watching the match and I'm trying to enjoy it. And I'm thinking, like, man, they really did not deserve to be in this special in this spot in, in the in the card. They really didn't deserve that. And I know you're gonna come back and argue, like, well, what other match are gonna be put on? You could have put the tag title match right on that bitch. And I would have been perfectly okay with the Miz and Shane McMahon 
versus the bar in that spot. Crowd would have popped anyway because it's the Miz, but that was just a that was a horrible spot to put Styles and Brian, especially for the feud that they've been having this uh, last couple months. The death spot after a rumble, after you have Becky win the rumble, you're gonna put them. You're gonna put that match there. Are you fucking kidding me? Because the response to that wasn't good. I don't think the crowd really got into it until like the last five minutes. Five to seven minutes of that match. It took them forever to wake up. I get that. Royal Rumble, big moment, Becky won. But still, you gotta have... I mean, you could have put that tag title match there and I would have been perfectly fine with it. Easily fine with it. This is so fucking stupid. So fucking stupid. But I'm going to get to my last point. And this is where and this is where I'm going to get really pissed off. On Survivor Series weekend, you had Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali at Survivor Series for the Cruiserweight Championship. And when you had them on the main card, the match was good. Crowd got invested. Ali had a breakout performance. Buddy Murphy defended the championship proudly. And the two put on a good show and got the crowd invested in it. Sure, it took a few minutes of time to actually get it right. But still, the crowd got behind the cruiserweights. And you you put them on the fucking pre-show again? Seriously. Y'all know I'm an advocate for the cruiserweight division. I'm a smaller guy. Depending on which day I'm not at Taco Bell. But I've been a big fan of the cruiserweights ever since I was a kid. Ever since I used to watch WCW back when I was like eight, nine years old. I've always loved the cruiserweights. For the high-flying acrobatics, for them for the guys that were technical in that ring that are submission, you know, specialists. Guys like Zack Saber Jr., Finn Balor. Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho back in the day, Eddie Guerrero when he was a cruiserweight, Psychosis, super crazy, all those guys. You know, Matt Hardy, Shannon Moore, Jamie Noble, and even going overseas, um, you know, all all the super juniors, Will Ospreay, Kushida, Taiji Ishimori, Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and I'm going, and I was even taking it to the X Division too. The smaller guys, Saban, Styles when he was an X Division guy. Kid Cash. I'm really bringing up some nostalgic shit. Um, Consequences Creed. If y'all know who he is, you know, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Just all that. And ever since the Cruiserweight Classic ended, and they went to Raw, they have been treated like absolute garbage. They have been straight up garbage. I I was I was super, I was so disgusted that yeah they had the main spot on the pre-show, but then when you look at matches 
on the card that like if you want to have a crowd invested from beginning to end and not have people get bored by the rumble because the both like I said both rumbles were boring as shit and you want to elevate the cruiserweight division why not have them continue to be on the main card if you want the cruiserweight fucking championship to be an actual relevant championship and not and instead of fucking putting them on back on the Tuesday night uh 10 p.m. spot you could have kept that you could have actually taped it before the show crowd would have been full on SmackDown Live Arenas, and he would have had them invested in the product. Because I enjoyed, I mean, yes, granted it was during the Mae Young Classic, but I enjoyed watching an actual full crowd from SmackDown Live. Get invested in the Cruiserweight division. It showed. The crowd was invested, got them hyped for SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live, they did their thing. They taped it, put it on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock before NXT, and I fucking loved it. And it worked. It made so much sense to do it. And with a match like a fatal four-way with Buddy Murphy, Hideo Itami, Kalisto, and Tazawa, doing what they did, getting the crowd hyped for it, even though it took them a little bit of time to actually get into it, they got invested and got behind the cruiserweights in the match. Had you have put them on the main card, the crowd would have been more full. Yeah, I mean, sure, there was a huge crowd already, but the crowd would have been more full. They would have marked out for more moments. They would have marked out for the mo- most of the moments in that match. And I think the cruiserweights would be, and I think that in and of itself would have helped put over the cruiserweights that much more. But, but, Vince McMahon not believing in the cruiserweight division is fucking ridiculous. And thank God it's the 205 Live is all Triple H. Because if Vince McMahon had his way, they'd still be doing six-minute, six-man tag team matches on Monday Night Raw. I guarantee it. Put the cruiserweights on the fucking main card. Let them show what they can do. Let the crowd get behind the Cruiserweights because I love 205 Live. I love the Cruiserweight division. I love what those guys can do. Alexander, Murphy, Atami, Leo, Noam Dar, all the guys over in the UK that come over to um, do matches with 205 Live. Tyler Bate, Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan Webster, all those guys. Give them the respect they fucking deserve. And not putting them on even main roster card, main roster shows, especially Monday Night Raw. You have three hours to fill, and what you've been, and what you, and what I, what I saw last night, it was the same as, same as old bullshit that I usually get. Because that the first half hour of Raw, fantastic. That the last half hour, last hour that I watched, bullshit. Cruiserweights deserve more respect. Putting them on the main roster shows and on main cards of pay-per-views. Get fans invested. Get fans behind them more. They learn about the Cruiserweight division if they've never really seen them before. That's a big point, too. Get the crowd interested. Who is this guy? Who's this guy doing that? Who did, who did that move? I like the way he I like the way he works in the ring. I want to know more about him. If you do that, if you expose that division to the people, 
Instead of putting, putting them and booking them in six-man fucking tag matches like you did in 2016. Instead of starting them like they did in WCW. Starting off WCW Monday Nitros. And I remember this clear as fucking day. Because this is how I learned about the Cruiserweight division. Having Rey Mysterio versus a Chris Jericho for the Cruiserweight Championship. Having a Malenko take on a Psychosis. Or a La Parca. Having, you know, the Mexican uh, Luchadors out in uh, six-man tags. Yes, I know, six-man tag, but they actually made it fucking worth it to watch. The crowd got hyped behind it. If you show, if you showcase the fucking division on your main roster shows and actually give them longer than six fucking minutes per match, I guarantee you they will crank out some of the best matches you will see all fucking year. Clear as day. And if you and if you are a fan of the cruiserweights too, you should be just as pissed off. Because what I'm about to talk about in the ugly, if what I'm gonna talk about in the ugly, trust me, they should have made a switch. <sighs> the ugly. That was the Royal Rumble. I only have two. But they're huge. And they both involve the tag team division. One on the Raw side. One on the SmackDown Live side. Trying to keep my composure here because you know I'm about to fucking go off. Ah, fuck it. I don't care. What the fuck are you doing with the tag team division? I hope y'all don't have this in max volume because it's about to get loud. Again, I ask you, what in the absolute fuck are you doing with the tag team division here? Let's start with the Raw side. Okay. First matchup, opening matchup. Last minute thing. They had Drake Maverick be interviewed by, I think, I believe it was Kayla Braxton. Talking about, you know, the revival and the AOP. Office of Pain won an opportunity at the Tag Team Championships. So they decided to combine the two since Income is out with injury and have Razor and Scott Dawson be a tag team, a makeshift tag team, to go up against the Tag Team Champions, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. It's fucking amazing to me how you have a tag team division on a three-hour show that's so irrelevant that I could give a fuck less about it. And I love tag team wrestling. I'm a big fan of tag team wrestling. Especially when you have two teams that gel well together, have put together a sweet feud that can work well in the ring. Not just with them, with their opponents, or a particular opponent, but just overall good workers who, if they ever broke out and they were actually good enough to be single stars, could fight for tag for tight for uh, single championships, a la Edge and Christian. What WWE has turned has made of the tag team division is a fucking joke. 
so we have Rude and Gable come out in Rude robes. It's disgusting. I, I really hate this tag team. I really don't like it. Rude should be a, Rude should have already been an Intercontinental Champion or should at least be the current reigning defending Intercontinental Champion and not fucking the Charisma Vacuum Bobby Lashley. He deserves that much. He is literally nothing more than just a fucking entrance in that theme song. That's a fucking fact and don't at me. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. At me. Because you know I'm right. And, of course, with the whole situation going on with the Revival wanting to be released from the WWE, they had Scott Dawson take the fucking fall? Of course they would. Of course they would have Scott Dawson take the fucking fall. Petty as shit. I'm telling you, I'm pre- I'm Vice President Petty. But if there was a uh, President Petty, that's Vin- Vince McMahon, is, I would honestly say, is the pettiest person on the planet today. When it comes to shit like this. And you know. You know. He is very cl- watching very closely. Watching very, very closely. Um, very closely at AEW. And Vince McMahon knows the revival would immediately go to AEW. Especially after what you've done with the revival for the past three months. Lucha House Party match, Lucha House Party match, Lucha House Party match, three-on-two matches, use the pinata matches, Lucha House rules. You give them a pity win in a fatal four-way match to earn a shot at the Tag Team Championships. And on the, what was that? What was it? Uh, Christmas Eve edition of Raw? I already read the spoilers. They lost. And you wonder why they want to get released from the WWE. So you don't grant their release, and then you punish them. When you know a rival promotion is on the come up, wouldn't you already want it to have done everything you can to ensure that your top guys are getting top billing, are being booked correctly, and then treating them well? Since day one of the revival being put on the main roster at any point, have they been booked incorrectly and shown proper treatment as the top guys that I believe, and you should too, that they really are? They were down at NXT two years ago, putting on classes with DIY in the office of pain. Instant fucking classics. Then they come up to the main roster and just get and just get treated like straight garbage. It's fucking disgusting. And on top of that, and then not even the whole revival shit, the whole AOP shit that you did with the AOP, upon their arrival to the main roster, after dominating the division for an entire year, I had them immediately winning the Raw Tag Team Championships within the first two months, of their call-up. What happened? Y'all know what happened. But for those of you that don't know what happened, I've been living under a rock for the past, I'd say, six months. Let me inform you of what happened. They come up to the main roster. They get rid of Paul Ellering. And I understand the whole deal because 
Ellering didn't want to be on the road often. But at least have him there for certain occasions. Big time matches. What happens after that? After the Ellering deal, you put Drake Maverick in as their manager. Which made AOP less believable. Knowing they couldn't cut promos. You had Drake Maverick as their mouthpiece? That doesn't even make them intimidating. That does not make AOP intimidating at all. The general manager of 205 Live is your manager of AOP. And then the and then the fucking the piece de resistance the piece de resistance. AOP versus the bar at Survivor Series. You had Drake Maverick piss himself. You had Drake Maverick piss himself. As the Big Show catches him and looked like he was going to choke slam him on the apron. You had him piss himself? That's what, and then it started up a chance of AOPP. And at that point, you made AOP irrelevant and turned into a fucking joke. A literal piss joke. Two weeks, the next week after that, uh, what was it? They started cranking out piss, they started cranking out the piss jokes. You're in deep trouble. They start, Rude and Gable start laughing, the urine. This is this is what you this is what we're doing with our tag team division on Raw. You have teams like the Revival. You could have recreated a no uh, a fuck that shit. You could have recreated American Alpha. You could have brought Gable back with Jordan, re, re reestablished that team. AOP. That's three solid teams right the fuck there, and you could have built the entire division around B team. Meh. Had you made them more, had you, you could have made them more serious and made them part of the entourage. Or should I say, or keep them on the Miztourage. And I understand why they had the Miz go over to SmackDown Live. That's fine. But at least with that, with their theme song, Battle Scars, you actually made them somewhat relevant for five minutes. And then you had the whole B team, B team, go, go, go. And turn them in the fucking trash. I think they still have the Ascension on there, irrelevant. But, like, just, and then, it, it is it is very, fuck, like, we are in dark times with the tag team division right now on both Raw and SmackDown. Because after, because honestly, what team in the Raw tag team division right now do you believe can actually take the titles from Rudin Gable? Heavy machinery? <laughs> they weren't even ready to be called up yet to the main roster. And you know I'm fucking right. They didn't even get a proper title feud in NXT. It looked as if they were going to be next in line to take on Undisputed Era for the tag team titles. And following right after that, it would have been War Raiders versus Undisputed Era at TakeOver New York. 
I guarantee that pot. I guarantee you that was the plan. But Vince McMahon wanted him called up at least a year too early. And I guarantee you they are going to make a mockery of heavy machinery on Raw. Guarantee it. Because they don't know what to do with the tag team division. AOP, the Authors of Pain. Yeah, the Authors of Pain. Changes down to AOP. And he didn't even make them dominant. You need a dominant tag team on Monday Night Raw right now. Rude and Gable sucks. Rude and Rude should have already screwed over Gable. They should have had their feud. Gable should have gotten his ass kicked. And Rude should have wanted to go for the Intercontinental Championship. And be the glorious champion. The glorious Intercontinental Champion, Bobby Roode. This isn't fucking rocket science. The tag team division on Raw should should have should have been easily fucking figured out. My three-year-old nephew could have figured this out. Of course, with my guidance, but still, he could have figured it out. My niece is one. She could have figured it out. A child literally in kindergarten or the first grade could have figured out this tag team division. Within 10 minutes. Because they would have been asking some crazy questions. But how grown motherfuckers, 30 writers or so, however many writers it fucking takes to do a three-hour fucking show, can't figure out what to do with the tag team division. This isn't fucking hard. But Raw makes it so difficult for themselves. They have their heads up their asses. But not just the tag team division, but the fucking mid-card, too. Bobby Lashley is your Intercontinental Champion on Raw. Get the fuck out of here. What kind of bullshit is that? What are we trying to pull over here? Nonsense? But seriously, going back to the match, the match is dreadful. I'm glad it was the first matchup on the on the pre-show card because I really didn't give a shit for it. It was last minute. I didn't give a fuck, and I don't think it, the crowd in Phoenix did either. You now have a true dead division on Raw. There's only one fucking solution you got left. Merge the tag team division together. At least we'll get new matchups. Who wouldn't like to see an Office of Pain versus Sanity tag team match, huh? I would. The Revival versus New Day, I would like to see that. I think they've already done it, but I would like to see it again. The Revival versus The Usos, Bar versus AOP, again, properly. American Alpha, if you uh, reestablish them. Going up against the likes of, you know, you know Brizongo, because I like Brizongo. You got to merge them together now at this point. Fuck them. Fuck that. Merge these two divisions together. Have them go on both Raw and SmackDown. You can fill up more time on Raw. Now, going over to the SmackDown side, I called this shit because I knew it was inevitable. The Miz and Shane McMahon are now your SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, ladies and gentlemen. And I am, I am pissed off. And I even said it on Twitter. 
they're only doing this and having Shane and the Miz win so they can jumpstart their feud that they're going to have at the end in WrestleMania 35 with Shane getting his obligatory WrestleMania match and the Miz being the babyface. Excuse me. It is a fucking shame that you would do a true disservice to not just the bar, but to the SmackDown Live tag team division itself. You have literally said to the bar, we are only, we are literally doing this, we are literally having you guys drop the titles so we can jumpstart a feud between The Miz and Shane McMahon. Are you fucking kidding me? Now you made the SmackDown Live Tag Team Division into a fucking joke. The only reason this tag team is fucking together is because The Miz was involved in the Best in the World Tournament. Was it the World Cup bullshit? Shane McMahon took his place. He beat Ziggler, which was another crock of bullshit. Then they go on this weird angle where, you know, this is two-thirds my t- my trophy because I was involved in the final, and it's one-third because you won. They treat it like, and then they treat the trophy like it's a fucking child. Like it's a fucking child. And then Miz convinces Shane that they could be a tag team. The whole bullshit segment with Miz talking to Shane McMahon about, you know, and the whole having his hand shit, and that was kind of, huh, that was kind of, huh, and they don't. Um, that was kind of weird. I, I still laugh at Vince McMahon's reaction. That shit was funny as hell. But the, that was, that, like I said, that whole segment was fucking weird as shit. Then you had Miz convince Shane that they could be tag team champions. They got the tag team championships. Title shot. And they fucking won. Now what? You literally turned this entire division into a joke. I know this title run between Miz and Shane won't last long. I will probably give them at least a month and a half. At least a, at least get through Elimination Chamber. Probably they're probably gonna have their obligatory rematch, and I'm doing that in fucking air quotes because apparently the re and the contractual rematch is supposed to be dead, and I'm doing that in air quotes too. They're probably gonna get. They're probably gonna win some. Bar's gonna win some type of match probably tonight on SmackDown Live. Get their rematch at Elimination Chamber. Lose again, thus dumbing deeming the bar further down and doing a disservice to the bar again. Instead of actually having the club or Sanity, who they have not featured, they've literally featured them only once. That was literally when the club and the Sanity uh, wreaked fucking havoc. On what was it? The uh, Usos and New Day match. And that was the last we saw. Because we haven't fucking seen them since. As much as the tag team division on Raw is irrelevant, we can now officially say SmackDown Live's tag team division is a non-factor for the future. You, you can have Dave Meltzer say the tag team division is already being planned out. Because now you have Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder as a tag team. And they couldn't spell Zack's name, first name fucking right. Are you, like, are you sure you didn't watch Raw? Yeah, I didn't watch the second half of Raw, dude. Shut up. 
Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder are attacked. I just, I can't, I can't fucking do this shit. I love tag team wrestling. Engine Christian, Dudley Boys, Hardy Boys. Some of the best tag team stuff I have seen in my life. In my life. Eminem, love them. Rey Mysterio and Batista, love that shit. Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero, fucking love that shit. Hard Foundation, love it. British Bulldogs, love that shit. Just tag team wrestling in general, I love. How the tag team division has fallen so fucking far. At this point, I mean, I may, I may actually have to contradict myself. Because I, I said on the bad that the value of the United States Championship is less than the sweatpants I'm wearing right now. I could put the tag team division in that too. I might have to add that too. The value of the tag team division in the United States Championship is lower than the value of my sweatpants. And I didn't get them for much. I promise you. How WWE hasn't figured this out? How WWE hasn't figured out how to book tag team? Shit, fuck that. NXT tag teams coming up. How they have not booked them the same way they did with NXT in NXT is fucking beyond my train of thought. It is absolutely a travesty, a tragedy, and an embarrassment to every person who is part of a tag team in WWE's main roster right now. That they would get treated the way they do. And you wonder why the Revival wanted their fucking release. Personally, if I were Vince McMahon, I under, if I, I'm, I know he can't, he can grant or not grant releases. To be truthfully honest, the first thing I would have said to, you, to the Revival is to apologize to them. I am sorry that we have been booking you the way we have. I understand your grievances and we are going to do better. But you know, damn well Vince McMahon would never say that to their fucking face. Not for one second. And so I'm saying it for Vince McMahon. On behalf of Vince McMahon, the revival, we are sorry that we have seen you been booked in the proper in the in the way that you have been booked. And you and you should have been booked better. You should have been booked as top guys. You should be the top guys. You should be the raw tag team champions right now. You should be on the main card. Defending the championships, putting on classes against AOP. Instead, they were being treated like a goddamn afterthought. A goddamn afterthought. And it pisses me off to no end. Fuck out of here with that notification. I ain't got time for you. This is about as ugly as ugly can get. This is your ugly right here. Your tag team divisions on Raw and SmackDown are dead. Barry, shovel, put the last bit of dirt on that coffin for both brains. And you wonder why they're talking about getting rid of the bland split. They don't know what to do with these motherfuckers. They don't know what to do with them. 
video packages of tag teams the weeks before they make their debut. What happened to those? What happened to hyping up tag teams? Not that coming to the WWE shit, and then you just have pretty much, you know, EC3, Nikki Cross, Laura Sullivan, Lacey Evans, and the Heavy Machinery. That was terrible. That was fucking terrible. Because basically you just said, they're coming. We're not sure when. They're coming, though. Remember those coming soon vignettes they used to do? I think the last one they actually did was Emelina. That was trash. And even she herself did not want that. So she's an ROH. That's not a bad thing, honey. I'll tell you that right now. I hope you and the lifeblood actually kick ass in ROH, bro. Real shit. It is just an outright disservice. And I'm going to say it for the last time. This is an outright disservice to the tag team division. This is an outright disservice to the bar, to the revival, to the Office of Pain, to, I would even say the B team, because they got because they had that fucking theme song. It's so disgusting. To Rude, it's a disservice to Bobby Rude. Worst of all, it's a big disservice to Bobby Rude. If there's any person who is getting hurt big time by this, it is none other than the glorious one himself, Bobby Roode. This man has future world champion written all over him, and that man ain't getting any younger. I think he's in his uh, mid to late 30s as well. He is in the best shape. I think he's honestly in the best shape of his life. Putting on, he put on matches with Shinsuke Nakafuckin'Mora and NXT. Good matches, too. Really good matches. Comes up to the main roster, pomp and circumstance, got the inch, the crowd's behind him, they know the song. And at this point, that's all he is. It's just an entrance and a fucking theme song. And that is the biggest disservice of all in the terms of the tag team division. He shouldn't even be involved with the tag team division. He should be fighting for Intercontinental and World Championships. He should have had at least... I'm, I'm just going to go out of limb. He, should, he could have been involved in the Universal Title Banks. Real shit. Bobby Roode does not deserve to be involved with Chad Gable. Chad Gable and Jason Jordan should be put back together as an American alpha and let them do their thing. As far as I know, Jason Jordan's cleared. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're fucking doing having them as just a singles, guys. But that, that I mean, yeah, the, I guess, yeah, I know the revival is getting shafted for this, but Bobby Roode may be getting the biggest shaft out of all of the tag team division competitors. And that is why that is the ugly that was the Royal Rumble. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 48 of the Young Lions Perspective, the birthday podcast special, as I'm deeming that right now. I hope you guys enjoy your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. I greatly and truly appreciate it. Now, if you did enjoy this episode, let the people know about this. Tell a friend and tell a friend about the podcast. Share it on all your social media, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, whatever social media platforms you have. 
spread the word, get this word out there that the Young Lions perspective is the one and only alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. If you don't have the Anchor app, and I'm going to keep browbeating this into your head until you get it, get the Anchor app, follow me on there, follow the podcast, support the movement. If you don't have the Anchor app, though, no worries. You can still find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Bully, Stitcher Radio, and, of course, that good old Spotify fam. Just search for the Young Lions Perspective, and you should have no problem finding it on any of those platforms whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast, um, I'm getting more into uh, posting stuff on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, trying to keep... Uh, current on everything, trying to see what's going on, because the world of professional wrestling news was fucking fast, so I'm trying to keep up as best as I possibly can, but if you want to stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow me on Twitter, at Suede Senator WWY, I do live tweet for SmackDown Live, NXT, NXT UK, every WWE pay-per-view, and any New Japan pod, uh, podcast, no, I'm like, pay-per-view that I do check out and do have a chance to check out, I do live tweet as best as I possibly can, if I can, if I have uh, time to do so. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me there on young, on, at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms so you can stay up to date with everything that's going on in the podcast, including when I'm when I'm posting up episodes, when episodes are coming out, or any posts like, like the RKO to Nia Jax. I post every day with that every once in a while. So stay, follow me on those so you can stay up to date with everything that's going to be going on with the show itself. In terms of episode 49... I know the next time around we'll be talking more than likely talking about NXT. So I'm thinking I'm probably gonna take a day off tomorrow and we'll see where it goes. Maybe Thursday or Friday, I will be recording episode 48. But you gotta follow, but seriously, follow me on Twitter and Instagram so you know what's gonna be going on. Because I do post more on Instagram than I do on Twitter, but the, the posts I have on Instagram do go to my Twitter. So until next time, and also before I even uh close the show out. Uh, I, I know I've had the lack of, you know, I know I put music in the background of some of the episodes I've closed um, the show out with. Um, for some reason, it's not doing it as of late. It just The loading times are just terrible. So I'm just doing it as this. You're just getting the raw meat, raw audio with nothing behind it. So I just wanted to fill you in on what's going on with that. But other than that, guys, until next time for episode 49, have a great day. Enjoy yourselves. I know I'm about to enjoy myself because it's my fucking birthday. Until next time, guys. See you.